We can't talk about how the true, the good, and the beautiful shape our faith without talking about nature and outdoor recreation, especially in Colorado. And we also can't talk about the true, the good, and the beautiful without taking into consideration the suffering and tragedy of this world. In this episode, we do both. This is the All Things New Podcast. I'm Trevor Sides. Our guest today is Monique Thompson, a longtime member of the Summit View family. She's a master naturalist with the City of Fort Collins Natural Areas Program and an outdoor recreation instructor with the City of Fort Collins. We talk about why getting outside is good for our bodies and our faith. And we talk about grief and loss and healing, as well as the beauty that can be found in our darkest moments. I wanted to end the third season of this podcast with Monique's story because in it, we see that beauty can be found wherever we experience connection with God and with others. Because if anything is true or good or beautiful, it must move us to relationship where we can give and receive care. So I feel like, you know, we're, if we're talking about the theater of God's glory, then we've got to talk about the outside world. And yes, um, I think especially with the, the tyranny of these things, I think it's more critical than maybe it's been in a long time. I, I believe so as well. Yeah. Seeing more and more. Yeah. Of just phone usage and all the studies that have mm-hmm. come out saying um, just over usage is so damaging yeah. to our physical health, our yeah. mental health, spiritual Especially health, emotional health. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In Andy Crouch's book, The TechWise Family, he talks about how our our phones or our, our easy everywhere devices are really, really good at showcasing the creative capacities of humans, but they're really, really bad at forming those creative capacities. Yes. And so it's have art in your house, go on walk, you know, get outside, even yes. on, even on the day where there's bad weather. Yes. Go outside and just sort of feel small. <laughs> well, that's the philosophy behind a lot of forest schools mm. that are, that developed in Europe and beyond uh, that there, there's no bad weather. There's yeah. only bad clothes and sort of <laughs> that's the philosophy of Huga, just being able to live with the environment that mm. you are in and enjoy it. So and don't wear cotton. Cotton's not a good choice. No. Wicking wool. Yeah. Polyesters, your synthetics. What's the phrase? Cotton kills. <laughs> I don't know that phrase. Heard, is that yeah. cotton kills? I just think of wet cotton when I yeah. think of winter, and yeah. it's a miserable thing, especially when you're a kid. Yeah, it just makes me think of my childhood. We grew up in Southeast South Dakota, mm-hmm. sort of on the Southeast South Dakota. Right. So sort of on the <laughs> western edge of the Corn Belt, right on the banks of the Missouri River. 
Beautiful. So hot, humid summers, cold, humid winters. And it just like- just Cold gets, cotton. Yeah, it just gets right hot to your cotton. bones. Yeah, just Wet go, cotton. Yeah, it's bad. It's all bad. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I grew up on the other end. I grew up in Louisiana. And so okay. it would be hot cotton, wet cotton. Yeah. No cold cotton. Not in humid. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm 50. Grew up. <laughs> born in Baton Rouge General Hospital. Uh, raised all my life in Louisiana. And uh, for my early childhood, I lived behind, like next to a school and with a ditch behind us. And we were outside. I'm the oldest of seven. We were outside all the time. Mm. My mom would send us outside during the summer. Uh, we would have to be outside for an hour and she never really gave us a game plan. You know, she just go said, you need to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times my, you know, my siblings and I would look at each other and go, just what, what are we going to do? And, and I really think that that space of trying to figure out what we were going to do and being outside um, just brought so much wonder into our lives. We were pirates. We were princesses. We were conquerors. We, we mm. rode across, you know, the ditch on our imaginary horses. We caught crawfish out of that ditch. I think we actually boiled and ate those, so but we did clean them. Boil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sea salt. Um, How fun. Yeah, it was. And my papa who, um, He's a true Cajun guy. Built us a swing set with about five swings on it. And we all spent a great deal of time just outdoors, whether it was playing or swinging. And I never grew to appreciate that until I think even recently, just reflecting back on that, my dad had a garden. Mm. It was sort of, it was normal. That's what we did. That's what yeah. a lot of kids did. You rode bikes around the neighborhood, but you spent a great deal of time outdoors. And that informed a lot of my life um, all the way through, but I think even more so now, given what I do and how I spend my time. But I'm grateful for those seeds of just um, my mom and my dad recognizing the necessity of outdoor time. My dad took us a lot. We had a boat because we lived near a lake. Um, and we spent a lot of time out on the boat, just water skiing or jumping in the water and playing outside as well as we did a lot of crabbing and crawfishing and stuff. And I, I really think when my husband, John first came to visit us in Louisiana, mm -hmm. my daddy took him crawfishing with us and I think that was when I just like, I know he loves me now because it's so fun. He's like, oh, I love this. Will you marry me? <laughs> it was just one of those times where it was so, he saw the beauty and the romance of just being outside. And he himself was outside quite a bit growing up as a child. Um, yeah, we met in the Peace Corps and that in and of itself is a big outdoor experience. You do spend a lot of time outside in the environment that you're working in. Were you raised in a Christian home? I was. I was raised uh, we as a, in a church going home all the way through um, in a denomination. I did my first communion and my, my a confirmation as well. And I feel like I'm so grateful to have liturgy in my life, to understand cycles and seasons and the beauty of who Christ was. But I feel when when I sort of, sort of walked away from all that after 
I left college um, and then started exploring Christianity again, as well as when John and I got married and we had our first daughter, Sadie. One thing that we thought about was we really want to raise her united in whatever mm. we decide. We don't know what, what's the right thing at this point, but we need, we want to be united in this. And so we started exploring different faiths. He came from a, um, fairly agnostic background. And so we looked around. I mean, I think we went, looked at Wicca. We looked at uh, different churches, different faiths and everything. But Pretty open, quote unquote. Pretty open. I think yeah. our main goal was just to be united. We didn't want to be uh, like this because we loved each other. We're like, we're, we're going to be united in this, whatever mm -hmm. it is, because we want to be united for our kids because your spiritual self is the most deepest part of the expression of who you are. And, and it's an important part in raising your kids. And so for us, we just, that was sort of a non-issue. We wanted to be on the same page wherever it was. And it's really neat. He started sitting down with a, an interim pastor. We lived in Fort Collins for about 25 years who he, and it used to be over where Inca is. I can't remember if that was an IHOP or a Denny's somewhere on college. And every week he would sit down with this pastor and just ask him questions and say, what about this? Then what about that? And he would come home and we would talk about it. And, and I would say, well, you have to ask him this and that. <laughs> and he did. Amazing. And this pastor, he's Daryl is still our friend today. He pastors a church down in Florida and Daryl was an amazing human being in that no question was the wrong question. Mm -hmm. It was just, it, it was, was just an opportunity to consider yeah. and an invitation. And it felt safe. It felt very safe for John and, and eventually for me too. And so learning more and just discovering more about who Jesus was, it was such a, beautiful and extraordinary process for me, even though I feel like I grew up knowing about Jesus and I'll always be very grateful for that, but actually experiencing Jesus uh, personally. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it was an amazing and overwhelming experience. We were both about 25. I was 25. Mm -hmm. Sadie was about a year old. And I thought, you know, I have a relationship here with God and I know who God is, but seeing who he is, especially just in the new Testament as a personal God was, was very powerful for me. And it was a sort of a step-by-step -step thing for me. I ended up getting baptized, I think a year later, mm -hmm. because it was the process of discovering who mm -hmm. God was and just how to live in that and go forward and be true to what I saw as after looking at so many faiths, yeah. but I felt like this really, this is the good news. And I want to be part of that. That's a wonderful story. It is. It's a remarkable story. And I love that. I love even 25 years later, John and I share that it's a very deep and beautiful part. He just prayed with me, you know, before I got in here because it's been such a journey for us over these 25 years and many parts of it have been beautiful and extraordinary, but it doesn't mean that they've been easy. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said a little bit at the beginning of your story when you were talking about 
sort of your faith journey, mm-hmm. you, 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 you said something about you were, you're thankful for, for liturgy and, mm-hmm. and seasons. Yeah. What did, what did you mean by that? And how, to, how, how does that carry it over into your adult life? How does that carry it over into your, your appreciation of, uh, or, or your wonder of the natural world and, and being outside? That is such a good question. Um, I think just for me, liturgy, just the process of a contemplative and beautiful expression of faith that is repetitive. Mm. Um, so were you, were you raised in a, a, um, Catholic Anglican or traditionalist? Yeah. um, So, you know, having seasons where there were celebrations and cyclicalness just to like there were in the old Testament. Um, you had things, I think Steph and, uh, Amy talked about this. You have things to look forward to and traditions associated, whether it's Advent or Lent or processes that are good for reflection Mm -hmm. and for mindfulness and truly follow our seasons in nature as well. Yeah. The, you know, the death and the resurrection of life and just the old, the beauty and starkness of winter versus when you start seeing the first buds that happen during spring Liturgy just was a beautiful place to have that repetitive um, once and looking forward to. Mm-hmm. It was very safe to to know, oh, this is the process that's going to be happening when I walk into a church. I know, and I know these things, and here's a community where liturgy is part of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like understanding my personal relationship with him just made all those things much more beautiful. Mm. The expression of God I could see in whether if you look at the Psalms where David repeats himself, Mm -hmm. um, just the beauty and mindfulness of a process that is wholly submitted to God when a person is wholly submitted to God. Like this is who you are. If I could go back again Let me see for all the world Oh, let me live again well, I paid for I paid too late My head hanging down My hands upon the gate I spent so much time around water when I was little Mm. and just even recently, I think it was going through Job when he, when God speaks to him. And I think it's the, in the voice of many waters Mm. and what a beautiful expression. If you've ever been around a waterfall and I got the opportunity many years ago to be at Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. Oh, wow. And so to see a magnificent and majestic waterfall and, and, and the overwhelming power that it is, it's 
anything that is like that, just there's no explanation for it other than to just and just look at it and be overwhelmed by the beauty and the grace that it is. And that for me, it's like the voice of Victoria Falls. Mm. God speaking in that voice. Yeah. It's, it's an awe built. It's an awesome, I don't want to say awesome experience, but it's an experience of awe that is like no other. Well, right. Cause if, I guess if, if the heavens are declaring the glory of God, then you know, night to night, they pour forth speech. Yeah. All creation sings yeah, all, his yeah. praises. Yeah. Right. So if, if, um, if the stars are pouring out speech from night to night, then a waterfall is saying something about God's character, about, about something about who he is and just revealing majesty. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, we have, we've always done music in our family. It's just been part yeah. John's mom is a piano player, taught all of our kids piano. And just this whole concept of the music of the spheres and just the music all around us. And I think in Zephaniah, it talks about how God sings over us. Mm. It's just such a beautiful image. Um, when she passed away um, a year ago, it was very difficult to think of any type of singing or just any type of music in my life. In fact, it's only been sort of recently that I could actually listen to music at all for an extended period of time. So when I think about all creation singing God's mm -hmm. praises, I still have that music. It's just in a different way. Yeah. It's through being outside. And we had that connection in nature and in music, but it's, it's different now for me. It's been very healing for me to be outside. It's something that she grew up as a child, just wandering around when we lived in the country. Um, You've mentioned she a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're referring to your, your daughter, yes. Mary Sue. Yes. Can you, can you tell us uh, just the, uh, the story there? Sure. Um, so I have five amazing daughters. My oldest daughter, Sadie, is 24 and she lives in Redmond and she's a computer. No, she's a program manager who does so many awesome things on a computer. I can't, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Margaret, 19, is a rock climber and she just started school in Washington state and Charlotte 17 and she's in high school and Laura's 14 and my baby is a ninth grader. <laughs> wow. Um, um, and then Mary Sue, my 20 year old, uh, just an amazing, brilliant musician and daughter. Uh, she would have been 21 last year and she, uh, she and I, when she was a teenager, oh, we butted heads. And uh, so for many, many years, we really struggled, uh, I think, as just mom and daughter. Uh, and I, I, looking back, I think it's probably because we were so much alike. <laughs> and uh, um, it took me a long time. Parenting her was one of the best things I've ever done because I, uh, I learned a lot about myself in that process by just having to turn over so much to God mm. 
and really just taking a role and taking you praying, just praying and learning how to love in all circumstances. And I'm grateful my husband, you know, John really set the example there mm. um, of loving and continuing to love. And that verse, it's kindness that leads to repentance and just compassion and watching her life when we just sort of really released it to God, watching her just show up at home when we hadn't seen her for such a long time, like every night to come over for dinner. And this is a long story, (laughs) but just seeing the redemptive, a prayer that I've always had for my kids, sort of my, I'm sure your wives have flare prayers, but it's redeem, renew, restore. Those are my three R's. And I've prayed that over all my kids for a long time. And when I saw the redemption and the renewal and the restoration in her life after six years of struggle Mm. and just various things, and that could be a whole other story in and of itself. Um, We had such a sweet last year in her life. We saw her many, many times. She was dating this nice young man. And uh, she was actually headed to school the week that she passed away. Mm-hmm. She was headed to UC Denver. And I, John and I were talking about it last night because he was looking for some other pictures. And actually, he pulled up pictures of the wedding that we, we were at the week before she died. And just what a poignant and beautiful reminder that we were at a wedding feast. Mm -hmm. We were at a wedding feast the day before she entered into the wedding feast of the Lord. I mean, that's just an incredible gift. Um, so just understanding that part of she was, um, I didn't go into details. We actually left her at the airport after she, John and I, uh, and attended this wedding of a, just one of my dearest friends. Um, and she ended up being killed in a car accident. She passed away because of her injuries that evening. But my, my last words to her were, um, I love you, sweet girl. That was the last thing I got to say to my daughter. And um, unbeknownst to me. I will always be grateful for that. That my last gestures, our last gestures to each other were so filled with love. She gave me a hug. She gave John a hug. And she smiled. I can still, still see the expression on her face.
one of the, the big points of connection you had with Mary Sue was the outdoors, was being outside. Yeah. And, so here and I was. And then you started, you went, you were um, applied and, and took the the city of Fort Collins um, Master Naturalist Program. I did. The March, the March before she passed. So she was super excited that I had just in March of 2017 started the Master Naturalist Program. I think I talked to you about that sort of being a, I was at a crossroads. Yeah. I I mean, I can't believe that was just last year. (laughs) Uh, Just so many things. For 20 years at that point, I had taught my kids at home and taught in a hybrid homeschool. And our family was shifting in different seasons. And I think I had told you, Trevor, you know, I am a child of God first, and then I'm a wife and a mom. Mm-hmm. And then for me at that point, I was a teacher as well. And they all inform each other, but I felt like in my teaching, I wasn't, this wasn't connecting with my kids. And, and as John and I talked, I realized, you know, I think I might need to go ahead and the girls, I had two at home at that point, And, mm-hmm. you know, we were wondering what's, is there a next step? What does this look like? We're not seeing this at this point, bear good fruit. And, um, I actually had been volunteering at the museum for a while and the museum of discovery, the, yeah, the yeah. museum of discovery, yeah. such a great place amazing, place, amazing place, wonderful staff. And I had been asked to be on a video to talk about what it meant to volunteer at the museum. Mm. And part of that video were different people in different volunteer areas. And one of them happened to be Renee, the master naturalist, who's now a friend of mine. And she just captured my imagination with the wonder of, of the natural areas. And I didn't know a lot about it at that time. And she was just sort of the first of beginning seeds that sort of planted, well, maybe I should look at doing this uh, program because I... Cause that, the master naturalist program is like 70 hours, right? It is. Like you've got to be a learner. I mean, that's not, that's not a light load. And I, not only that, but I think you, the joy of learning has mm. something that I feel like has always come easily to me. I sort of expect it of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love to learn? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but leave me alone. it's just seeing, I think we've had this sort of, sort of the thread of this conversation when I started this program, you know, I, I knew the head of the master naturalist program and she's a friend of mine. And so I, she talked to me about it a few times and I was so intrigued. I was so intrigued. It's not an area that at the time, I mean, looking back now, I can see how all the seeds were planted, but Mm -hmm. at the time I thought, Oh, well, I'm mainly in the humanities and I love the outdoors and the role that it's played in the lives of different movements throughout history. Yeah. But I don't know a lot about the actual bugs and plants and animals that happen to reside in our area. Mm -hmm. And it was really amazing and almost intimidating because some of the people in the program were former wildlife (laughs) biologists and environmental educators that had chosen after they retired to, pursue this as a volunteer option. Mm. So it was wonderful. I learned so much about uh, the 50 natural areas that we have around here and sort of the ecosystems that are in place here. 
And it's given me, even after living in Fort Collins for 25 years, I think I told you this, I just fell in love with this place all over again, just from a different perspective. And it was really neat because one of my last times that I went there in August last year, okay, I'm bumbling my words. So getting back to Mary Sue, she was watching this process go, go through and she was so excited for me. And I had watched this transformation in her life to being this little girl who loved to be outside, who saved birds, named them all after every character in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Um, and it was a hard battle because we had a barn cat at the time. So we had to protect <laughs> the birds inside. Um, Lucy and Edmund and Peter, and I'm forgetting the other one. Uh, Lucy and Peter Susan. Susan. Yeah. So we had a whole cast of birds that she was trying to protect. Um, Mm. I think ultimately from our cat. (laughs) (laughs) And she did, she saved these little swallows and she used to walk in the fields behind our house and just talk to herself. And, and it was just such a fun thing as a mom to see your kid just come to life walking outside and, and, all the dandelions and the the grasses and yeah. seeing so much joy. It's yeah. beautiful. So when when she sort of got off that path for a while and um when I started doing that, I watched her spend a lot of time outdoors. She was starting to go hiking and starting to, you know, do different outdoor activities, rock climbing. And so that was really neat to have that little season where we shared a lot of the same joys and beauties. And going back to the story, I'll never forget. We went to the natural areas office because I was doing a program and I had to pick up a couple of puppets or, or, you know, some items there. And she came with me. And as we left the office, we saw this huge flock of wild turkeys that sort of Mm. fluttered by the car and it's in an urban area right near the Poudre river. And I'll never forget. We both looked at that and we stopped and just watched Mm. and she looked at me and she said, mom, I'm so proud of you. Mm. And so that was just one of those little lovely moments that I will always treasure and be grateful for the connection there. You said there's been a lot of amazing things in your 25 years in Fort Collins and a yeah. lot of hard things. Um, to lose, yeah, to lose a daughter like that, um, Monique, I don't even, I don't know what to say. And I am, I am, I'm proud and just floored and humbled for your, your willingness to share that story and how it's, uh, um, and how it's intersected with just a big part of your life from the very beginning. And, um, that's really hard. And that's, I, I, it is really hard. I don't, I totally acknowledge that. And, um, and it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful. I had 20 years with this amazing girl, 20 years. And I thank God for that. How beautiful that I had this time, how redempted, like those three R's Mm -hmm. to redeem and renew and restore my life and to watch that in your child's life. That is such a gift. I have come to know people and made friends with people who have lost their children Mm -hmm. and 
one thing that I was able to share with someone recently is um, a fellow um, Christian lady who lost her son that I have been meditating on myself. And that is, you know, Jesus is, was, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he used the same the day that we were at the wedding feast mm-hmm. with Mary Sue. He was the same the day she died. And he's the same now. Mm-hmm. And I have had such comfort in that, mm-hmm. that he has carried me and loved me all the way through. And that's, if I think of anything I want to give to other people, that caregiving that God expresses like that. When I think of myself as an outdoor recreation instructor and as a master naturalist, it's that caregiving Mm -hmm. that God has for people. And so when I go into the natural areas, I really want to show people that I care for the environment around them but I care for them as well. That I have watched how people have taken a community of, stra- of strangers or a group of strangers and turned them into a community. And that's a beautiful, mm. beautiful expression of God's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to it's, do it's, that. A, it's a common, it's a, it's an act of his common grace of his common love that you can still find this in a group of people you didn't know before. Yes. Is, and to look at people like in, as the Imago Dei, is yeah. it, what is it called? The Imago Dei to see yeah. everyone in the image of God, yeah. your bosses, the people that you serve and the people that are helping you mm-hmm. to look at every person that way. Mm-hmm. That to me, just being given the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that more and more every day with people I run across when whatever environment it's a, it's a life changer. It truly is because then it's not. And then we live in the society of what it's, what people can do for you. It's what, how mm. can I help you? Yeah. How can I cheer you on? How can I love you best? And that for me in me has come from God's love for me mm. and who he is in me. And it's just like a, Jeremiah. A, it's a, a fire a in my bones. Yeah. I just have to to let that out because it's so extraordinary. I want to share. Yeah. I want to share that joy. And when we talk about just the very hard times that we've had, it's the joy of the Lord mm. that's our strength. And that joy is not a superficial joy. Yeah. It's not um, temporary. It's a it's a permanent ever growing and some part that I foster and hold on to because it does give me strength and it will continue to do so. What's the value of being outdoors? Why is that? Why is this important? What what does it do for us? Just I think we've talked about it considering God's creation. Mm-hmm. Just the oh just being outdoors with fresh air, mm-hmm. sunlight, 
again, there's so many studies on what the more time that you spend outside, um, the healthier you'll feel. And God's made us that way. Yeah. That's how we're made to. And if you look at biblically, biblically, just the people in the Old Testament and the New Testament and Jesus and his parables and John the Baptist, they're outside. <laughs> they're not talking in an office building. They might be in the synagogue, but the majority of the time, I mean, the Israelites, you know, for their yeah. 11 day trek spent 40 years outside. Yeah. Well, most of them did. Yeah. Two of them for sure made it in. Right. But um, there's just a lot when you look at Jesus for me, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but just this sense of, of feeling God's presence in the outdoors, mm. the, the beautiful, the feeling, the presence of a God who created uh, some plants that only bloom once every seven years mm. versus some that bloom every day and all year long. Mm. Seeing like I was up at soapstone a couple of weeks I ago. I love soapstone. I do. I do love soapstone. We can talk all about that. <laughs> but, um, I was on the Tohi loop uh-huh. And we saw this furry little tail in front of us. And we both thought it was a coyote, but we kept, you know, just going slowly uh-huh. towards it. And it was a badger. And oh, I've fine. never seen a badger. That's rare. Outside. And it mm. was just, we were both so excited. I know if you've seen something outside that you haven't seen before or it's new, even just seeing the little prairie dogs pop their heads up and talk to each other and at Pine don't Ridge. Tell, don't tell that to the ranchers listening. That's <laughs> I'm different area than the ranch. Yeah. <laughs> these are yeah off trail. So you wouldn't be stepping in the holes, but just seeing that. And actually a month and a half ago, we watched um, a coyote eat one of those little prairie dogs out there at Pine Ridge, Funny. but just watching the whole, uh, cycle, mm-hmm. life cycle happening mm-hmm. yeah, right in front yeah. of you. It's yeah. pretty it. majestic. Yeah. A little bit ago, you were talking about how God as caregiver. Yeah. You, you I really, love that. Don't that you, you love that? Yeah. I, I would, in a way, I would you agree that God through things like the natural areas is that those things are giving care to us? Would Would you, would you agree with that? Is that, am I... Through the natural areas, through the yeah. people or through no, the just places? Through, just through those places, that God through those places is a, is one way that he's caring for us. Well, I was going to tell you, one of the neat things when I started the natural areas program is that they go through a whole process of how do we value natural areas. Mm-hmm. And there's about seven ways that, that we walk through in valuing natural areas, education, scientific, recreational, economic conservation, historical, and cultural. And the last value is, is the spiritual mm-hmm. value. And I was blown away that we would be talking about this in relationship yeah. to the environment. And this last sentence of that, how we value natural areas offers havens for personal growth and for contemplating the relationship between humans and the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a platform to showcase the beauty of the world around us. And I, a neat thing that we talked about, there's no bad weather, um, only bad clothes. Yeah. Another thing that was sort of an aha moment for me is really a weed is just a plant in the wrong place, That <laughs> <laughs> there's a purpose for this plant, but it's not where it's currently is now. So it's either invasive, right. um, 
or creating a monoculture or something mm-hmm. where it's not operating in the function that it was originally given. Mm. So that was really an interesting concept to me because for me, weeds were always just bothersome. Yeah. And they can still be that way, but to say, well, there is some place in this world where this is a, you know, has a function. Mm. I haven't really found that to be true of mosquitoes yet. See, I would say still working on that one. I would think you could almost make a better case for mosquitoes and weeds, depending on how you want to read Genesis three, right? (laughs) (laughs) I, I hate musk thistles. Every time I see a musk thistle, I want to kill it. I want to uproot it and cut off the big giant. Because? Because is it, well. Is it invasive? invasive. Is it in the right place? Yeah, it's not in the right place. I think it was brought (laughs) over from England or something. And growing up in South Dakota, we own some land and it's it's a noxious weed. You have to manage it. Yep. And so we'd go out, my brothers and I with our dad in the Missouri River humidity and clean out the pasture of, of musk thistles. I think I was traumatized by it. Were you? Yeah. And so every time I see a musk thistle, I hate it. I just like, I, I need to do something about it. It's going to, it's going to ruin the world. Deep breath. Yeah. Deep breath. <laughs> Say my Jesus prayer. Thank you, God. Right. Thank yeah. you, God, for this musk thistle. Thank you for this musk, musk thistle. But, how, but I, but I, but I, <laughs> I, I, I see your, what you're saying is though, is that even weeds, um, like pollinators can, can benefit a lot from certain thistles or certain, certain weeds. Right. So I think there, so. There is some function there. There is some yeah, function. There's some going back to the three. Here's yards, your homework. Yeah, I need. <laughs> yeah, no, this you're supposed to tell if me if I'm right or wrong. If the in the right place. Yeah, you're what a master. Is it, how yeah. is it? I'm a master naturalist. You should just be able to tell me right now what what function some of the like a Canadian thistle. I know, yeah, right? What, what is it doing for I learned, you know what's so cool is I learned something new on every hike that mm-hmm. I go on. It, that's what's been the most incredible and for a lifelong learner it's a wonderful thing for me to learn about different plants mm-hmm. and to walk different trails through each season and see the changes, yeah. see the cycles happening. And I love watching the late, like the rabbit brush is yep. blooming right now. And it's this bright, bright yellow, but mm-hmm. you would not know that in the spring or even parts right. of the summer. Right. It's just green. It just almost looks like rose thing. Yeah. rosemary. But now this brilliant yellow, yeah. when everything else is sort of dying or mm-hmm. has passed away, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a spectacular color. Yeah. And it, and it's, and I, going back to your, as a part of our conversation earlier, it's those types of things. It's being able to notice, oh, this now is a part in, in late August and, or early September when the rabbit, uh, rabbit brush. brush is blooming. Oh, it, it sort of helps orient you to where you are in life and in the year. Like, okay. Oh, the yeah. season. I know where I am now. Yeah. Because the rabbit rush is in bloom. Yes. And, and I, I think that's a real, I think that's a, a I don't know. I, I think there's a, I think there's a, an aspect. I think that there's a means of grace there that God's given us. Like, Hey, here's where you are in, in the life and the story I'm writing for you. Yes. The rabbit rushes in bloom again. Yes. Or, you know, whatever it is or the. Or even just how d- different trees in the fall, their leaves will change earlier than others. And yeah. And it can indicate the health mm-hmm. or not of mm-hmm. an area, depending on how they're functioning within that area. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of plant surveys that are happening and um, that, that continue to promote and look after the health and conservation of areas that mm-hmm. we've had set aside. So there's this poem by Dana Joya called Places to Return. Mm-hmm. 
And in, in one of the stanzas, he's talking about places that when we go back to them, it quote, I, th- I think what he says is it seems like a sacrament. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we can look up the whole thing later. It's a beautiful poem. And I, I just love that thought. Return seems like a sacrament. So for you, Monique, where are the places that you return? Where are those special places that you keep going back to? Well, I return to Spring Creek Trail almost on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And that's been my uh, prayer walk. My, yeah. my tears have been shed there. Laughter's been shared there. I've walked with my family. I've walked with friends. I've had a prayer partner for almost 10 years and we normally go there. So it's a very special place to me um, where I've been able to connect with God. I listen to the daily audio Bible and I'll do that on that trail as well. It's a place where I can pray and be mindful of God and look up and look Mm -hmm. around and just be still. Mm. Even in my walking, I can be still. And I, I know the whole path that I take. It's, it's a very familiar path to me. And so for me, I could probably walk it in my sleep, but there's a lot of comfort in that as I watch the ducks near the firehouse and, and see the deer in the Mm -hmm. brush just after the bridge on Taft. And Mm -hmm. there was an Eastern screech owl that was near quail hollow with four owlets in the spring and to pass people on the trail that I see on a fairly regular basis. We don't know each other's names. We always wave (laughs) and just to, it's my place with God. It's just a beautiful place for me to be on that trail. So I return to that, um, daily almost. I love Red Fox Meadows near where the Ritters live because of the changing of the seasons there is quite beautiful. And you can feel like, even though it's in the midst, midst of town, I didn't know where it was before I became a naturalist. Oh, I didn't yeah. know what it was really. Mm-hmm. And just visiting there and actually leading programs there. It's an oasis of mm. beauty and surrounded by neighborhood. Yeah. Completely yeah. surrounded by neighborhood, but you can have such a little nature break for yeah. 10 to 15 minutes and feel refreshed and revived by walking mm-hmm. down the paths near the uh, storm retention ponds. Mm-hmm. I love Pine Ridge. Um, it's right near, it's the opposite of Maxwell, which is near the old Hugh Stadium mm-hmm. because it has all sorts of, it's, Part of it is exposed. Part of it, you can go up and see Dixon Reservoir in the whole city. You can walk it in 45 minutes. It's fairly flat or you can make it more difficult. So depending on who you're walking with, it sort of fits all. And I love Soapstone. I I look forward to spending more time there. It's an extraordinary. I got to do some behind the scenes plant surveys there uh, this summer. Plant survey. And we saw, I think it's called the Colorado butterfly flower, which is extremely rare hmm. and beautiful. And I saw a field of Rocky mountain irises that oh, were sort wow. of off site. So was, that, was that early summer or sort of later summer? I think it was, it was early summer. Okay. It was in June. Okay. And yeah, it was sort of on the close sites. We were, we were sort of surveying the sedges and the grasses around okay. the water to see what was, what was doing well and what was not. 
And if there was anything new, and I think I think the botanist that we went with found a few new things, species there. So being able to have opportunities like that for me, I I love it, and it's just informed my life as a daughter. You know, just being a child of God, just more and more appreciation for who God is, and such a a deep love um, of His creation, and and even more deeper love of the people Mm. here Mm. because I get to share that. And it's such a, I probably sound like a broken record, but it's such a wondrous, comfortable, I mean, comforting. And I love it. I, I feel most alive being able to show this beautiful creation and to care for the people that we bring in it by, by telling them more about it and just inviting them in, not just giving a bunch of facts and figures, but, but letting them see the beauty of whether it's a badger or a black-footed ferret or beautiful Rocky Mountain irises. You've been listening to the All Things New Podcast, a production of Summit View Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. This episode was engineered and mixed by Steve Parker and was written and produced by Trevor Sides. The music featured in this episode was written by Mary Sue Thompson and was used with permission by John and Monique Thompson. Our theme song is by Steve Parker as part of Summit View Music. You can subscribe to the All Things New podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Learn more at summitview.com slash podcast. I don't know if we do either. Do we? I, I pulled up the the poem. It's called oh. It's called Places to Return by Dana Joya. And I'll I'll just read the whole thing. There are landscapes one can own, bright rooms which look out to the sea, tall houses where beyond the window, day after day the same dark river turns slowly through the hills, and there are homesteads perched on mountaintops, whose cool white caps outlast the spring. And there are other places which, although we did not stay for long, stick in the mind and call us back. A valley visited one spring, where walking through an apple orchard, we breathed its blossoms with the air. Return seems like a sacrament. Then there are landscapes one has lost. The brown hills circling a wide bay I watched each afternoon one summer, talking to friends who are now dead. I like to think I could go back again and stand out on the balcony, dizzy with a sense of deja vu. But coming up these steps to you at just that moment when the moon, magnificently full and bright behind the latticework of clouds, seems almost set upon the rooftops it illuminates. How shall I ever summon it again? <laughs>